welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast, where all things football are injected right to your veins. With your hosts, Matt Donnelly, Calvin Shoemake, and Jeff Mueller. What is up and welcome to the team series here, the Dynasty Vipers. This is a really special one. I'm excited about this one. I'm joined by a guy that I used to do a show with way back in the day. We were just talking about how far things have come with shows to be able to do it live now, to be able to do it on video, the setups. It's all crazy. I got a green screen in the background. This is just this is insane. But this is uh this is our team preview series. We are doing all 32 teams. We did the Raiders yesterday. We're doing the Colts. We're doing the Bears. We're doing the 49ers today. We are not letting up. We are getting after it. But I'm excited to talk about these Colts. A lot of things in the news. And here's the thing. So this is why it's really important in Dynasty to talk about what we're doing, um, what, what the teams are doing, is because usually about this time, we turn the page and we start thinking about our rookies. And that's good. We definitely always want to make sure we're thinking about our rookies. That's a good thing. But we need to understand these landing spots. We need to understand the teams. We need to understand the coordinators, what they're getting themselves into. And to do that, I'm inviting on some amazing guests who are not only fantasy football guys, data guys, people who look, who, who look at all those sort of things, but they also understand the teams. They root for the teams. We all know we know our teams best, the ones we follow the closest. And joining me today, really excited. He's Mike Valverde. Mike, tell the people a little bit about yourself, where they can find you, Twitter handle, all that. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, Twitter is RFL Red Zone. And um, basically what I'm doing right now is formation scouting for Roto Underworld. I also contribute to Football Absurdity, the Fantasy Doctors, wherever they'll have me. I'm pretty much available to whoever um, I love to write, um, love to podcast. So this is great. Um, as you know, and you touched on a little bit, I, I'm I'm just pleased that you reached out to me and you say, hey, let's do this, you know, yeah. uh, because it's been such a long time. In fact, it's been four years and when we had a travesty come in. I'm sorry, I'm a liberal. So any conservatives out there, no offense, <laughs> but we had a travesty come in for the first four years. Um, and, and I think that's like right where we stopped doing our show. I was, think you're right. When he came in and then now he's gone and now here we are once again. So it's great to meet up with you, Cal. We're, we're um, in a couple of weeks together, so we'd stay in touch, but this is right. again. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to talk some Colts about, uh, to talk some Colts with you today. I don't think I mentioned this, but you can find me at Calvin and Hobby. Um, so, Mike, let's just jump into it. Tell me just a little bit about your background with the team. I know you're not from Indianapolis. No. So, tell me, how'd you become a fan? Uh, just a little bit about your experience and your history with the team. Well, um, as, as most fans, it's it's definitely a love-hate relationship. It, uh, it Interesting enough, when, when I was thinking about, you know, my, my history with this team, it started off with a hate relationship. Hmm. Um, as most of you people remember or have come across, the Colts moved from Baltimore to Indianapolis. And um, when they showed up and in, in the middle of the night snuck the team facility, 
out of out of the backfield, Mayflower vans and all that kind of stuff. And then they went from Baltimore to Indianapolis. And I remember watching that going, this this is horrible. Why, why would you do this to your fans? Why would you do this to your city? This is just awful. And a couple years later, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm watching and um, it was, it was mo- one of those things where it just, the timing was right. Now my dad was a huge Raider fan. So I grew up Raiders, Oakland Raiders, like mm-hmm. the original Oakland Raiders you know, before they moved to LA. And so I grew up with the Raiders and stuff like that. And then they moved to LA and my dad sort of lost touch and I lost touch. So I was looking for a team of my own. And three years later, after the team had moved from Baltimore to Indianapolis, I was watching this game on TV against Atlanta Falcons about 1986, late December, and the Colts were 0 and 13 and watching the game. And they won. They won that game and then they won their next two and became 3 and 13. And I was hooked. I'm like, okay, not only do they represent animals, I love animals. Not only are they blue, I love blue. I love the horseshoe. I, I am full, full in. Um, it wasn't until like two or three later years later that I saw the, the, the commercial of them moving. And I'm like, I hated this team. This is yeah. I hated it. What the heck happened? But I, I let it go. Bygones be bygones. And then ever since about 1986, I, it was just a great, great team. Uh, followed them, you know, since then, uh, you know, um, one of the things that you asked me prior was uh, prior was my favorite player. Um, mm. A few Johnny Unitas, of course, I'm a little too young for him, but he is, you, you can't be a Colts fan and not like Johnny Unitas. Peyton right. Manning, um, of course, um, I, ha- I named my cat Peyton and um, another Jim Harbaugh um, because not only did he go to my favorite college, Michigan, but he brought us my first AFC championship game, which leads me to the greatest memory. Um, and the greatest memory was, of course, the Colts in that 1987 playoffs, uh, 1995 playoffs, I'm sorry, um, which we touched on a little bit before the show when uh, they not only they beat the, the Chargers, who they lost to earlier in the year, um, but they also beat the Chiefs, who are the best team in football, and then ended up losing on a Hail Mary by Jim Parbaugh. So um, it was all the great emotions, you know, seeing this team that should not have been in the playoffs at all was just, you know, total dog team. Everybody rooted against everybody thought they didn't have a chance and sort of like a Rocky story. They come um, beat, beat these two teams and just barely missed out. And then of course the Super Bowl um, or, you know, the AFC championship game about 10 years later with Peyton Manning beating the Patriots finally. So, right. You know, and I think, you know, I knew you at that time and I know your passion for the Colts. So I'm excited to, you know, get a chance to talk about what they're going to do in this offseason. Last offseason, obviously, there was a lot of changes for the team going into last year. They brought in a new QB, Philip Rivers. We're going to have to make another move now. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. But I guess it was a really good overall season for the Colts. I mean, they it obviously didn't finish the way that you wanted to, but it was a game that they maybe could have won. I mean, it certainly was a lot closer than I think people gave it credit for. Um, Philip Rivers um, did, you know, an okay job for you. Ended up 10 and six and a lot of, a lot of changes coming, but I guess let's talk about the 2020 season a little bit. And sure. do you have like a, like a moment as a Colts fan that over the course of this season that kind of defined the season for you or just kind of a, it was the the highlight of the season. 
Well, I when Philip Rivers came in, I was against this whole thing. I was just like, oh my God, this dude can't throw a pass anymore. He's like 95 years old. Um, what what are we doing here? What what are we doing? And the the more he was there, the better he got. The more, you know, of course, because OTAs and they, they weren't there and he had to get used to the team and everything else. But he just got better and better. Um, and it was just a pleasure to go from not liking this dude one bit coming in to really enjoying his play. And someone who, if didn't decide to retire, could have played, I, I would I would say he has another two years left in him mm-hmm. if he wanted to do so. So it was kind of sad to see him retire. Um, but it's it's one of the things. Also, the the maturation process of Jonathan Taylor was another great highlight. I think as far as watching him grow. Uh, we might need a fact check here, but uh, something Mike you may not know is that we actually don't do any fact checks on this show. So um, yeah, fun fact: Philip Rivers was once Johnny Unitas' backup. I, we might have to do some research on that. <laughs> that might be very true. You know, I I have to check on it, but uh, it, it, I think it's it's if that's not the case, it's very close. Oddly enough, the person who wrote this comment is the only person I'm aware of that has more children than both Philip Rivers and Antonio Cromartie. So he is <laughs> the only person I know that has more than that. So um, this is a I think I know the answer to this as a as a Colts fan when you're thinking about like uh, I have this question that I'm asking everybody who won the season. So when you think about the Colts, like who inserted themselves as the dominant guy for the Colts. I think I know the answer here. I'm pretty sure I know the answer here, but what do you think? You know, the the interesting thing about the Colts is that no one really true player stood out from from the beginning to an end. Um, They all sort of had the role. Even great players like T.Y. Hilton didn't really come into the end of the season. Uh, but I, I think if you're looking at statistical wise and you're looking at the the person who who stood out, and I think we're both on the same page here, it's Jonathan Taylor. Um, I think he finished fourth or fifth on the fantasy uh, RB. He was like RB five when he finished the season. Um, but you know, he he is again in the maturation process. The, the going from being slow to process. A lot of people thought that maybe he wasn't almost comparable to Trent Richardson where he was not seeing the holes, but I went over his film um, and looked over it, all the games. And I don't know if it was such a problem of spotting the correct hole. I think it was um, a, a, not a vision problem, but a processing problem. Mm. I, think he, I think he was, it was one of those situations where he's like, okay, should I go here or should I go there? And then the game, really started to slow down. And you can really, if you want to go back and look at Jonathan Taylor, especially because he's going to be here for a long time, start because you know the bad stuff. Start at the Green Bay game and watch from there on, and you'll see that sort of go away, that the game really starts to slow down for him. And I think he's going to be a wonderful player um, starting now and moving forward. Still, we don't know about Marlon Mack. Uh, Marlon Mack may return. Um, of course, Naeem Hines is there as well. So um, I, I don't think Marlon Mack will return, but they are talking, um, you know, they want him back. But contract-wise, we'll see. 
Yeah, I think the only other argument that I could make if I'm going to say like who was the winner of the season, it would be Naheem Hines, and only because the the expectations were lower for him than it were for you know there was a lot of high expectations for Jonathan Taylor. I think he was being taken in some cases as a first round pick, even in redraft. Um, you know, certainly high high second. Naheem Hines was an after complete afterthought. Um, yes. And in fact, I was I was probably the only person pumping him up over last offseason only because of Frank Reich's history. Um, and part of his history does include utilizing multiple people across multiple positions. So running backs, wide receivers. He had only ever had 1,000-yard rusher and 1,000-yard receiver before this season. Now we add Jonathan Taylor into that, which is great. But it brings me to my, my, my next thing is if you had to say – who was the biggest disappointment or who who lost the season? Who who would you pick out for that? That one's a tough one, too, uh, because, again, if you're looking across the statistics, you're going to see that they none of them were really high performers. None of them stood out. I mean, we did talk about Jonathan Taylor, but that was like from week eight, nine on. Mm-hmm. Um I think if you're going to say who the biggest disappointment would be was would be uh, T.Y. Hilton, and um, I should I should warn viewers and listeners I probably call him Ty Hilton a lot of times because that's just what I do. But I know it's T.Y. Hilton. Um, that's sort of my nickname for him. But anyways, um, starting in week 12, he was um, basically the representation of his nickname. He was the ghost. Um, which was a huge leap from a third round dumpster fire. I mean, people people gave up on him probably by week eight, uh, rightfully so. He only had 22 receptions, no touchdowns, zero. Uh, mm. He dropped a couple in the end zone, but really his 22 re- receptions, zero touchdowns by week eight, absolutely dumped him. But at, starting week 12, he had finished with five touchdowns. Um and his la- in his last seven and caught 29 passes. So four four receptions per game and five touchdowns in seven games. He looked exactly like he always has uh, yeah. pretty much. So I think the biggest disappointment up to week eight was T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, I think you're right. And you're right. I, I love what you said there because nobody really was consistent from day one to you know the very end of the season as far as being a you know high-volume producer. And when you look through all the positions really that that really sticks out and especially at the wide receiver spot. I know Paris Campbell, uh, we had a little comment here from uh, from Dingus says Paris Campbell still the biggest loser. I mean, certainly that's a that's a draft pick that, you know, guys that I, I think we were all pretty high on. But I thought he looked good at the very beginning of the season. Just unfortunately, he got hurt. Uh, Michael Pittman struggled with some injuries as well. I mean, that's a, he really didn't quite get to go, um, get going the way we wanted to, I think better days are ahead. Um, but that brings us to the offseason because you mentioned T.Y. Hilton, and he's one of many uh, cults who are free agents, unrestricted free agents. And my, at first, when I started looking at the, the offseason for the Colts, I thought, man, they are $65 million under the cap. They've got a lot of room. This is great. I think they were second. The second most cap room projected for next year in the league. But then I started looking and I'm like, well, um, the only quarterback after Philip Rivers retired that they have signed next year is Jacob Eason. I don't think that's going to be who they're going to go with. No. Um, T.Y. Hilton, Marlon Mack, Jacoby Brissett, Jack Doyle. I mean, all those guys are free agents. That's not even including, 
Doyle, I think, is is signed for three years. I don't think he's a free agent. Uh, Mo Ali Cox is and Trey Burton are free agents, I believe. But I think okay. Doyle is signed for for two or three more years. Okay, this is yeah. See, we, we don't do any fact checking around here, Mike. It just you know we say things. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, I, I must have been. I was checking on the uh, sport tracks uh, yesterday, and so I, that that might be uh, that might not be uh, completely accurate. But the, interesting to note, Frank Reich said he really wasn't sure if if he's going to be able to bring everybody back. Right. Is there anybody in there that you think is going to be more of a priority? I think T.Y. Hilton will probably definitely be a priority, uh, but they have such a young stable of wide receivers there. Uh, we, you know, Des Patman, who they drafted in the seventh round last year, is someone that didn't get much play, but they really like him. Um, someone pointed out that uh, Bob Gilchrist, uh, Pascal, is always producing. Yes, he was uh, a good surprise. I mean, you could see his maturation um, in 2018 and then 2019 started coming on a little bit more. And then 2020, I agree. Um, but Paris Campbell, um, they're going to give him. Um, and then that pushes Pascal back a little bit, but uh, they, they, they do have a great stable of wide receivers. Um, so they don't really need T.Y. Ty, Hilton, but I mean, who's not going to want T.Y. Hilton? Uh, especially since he's he's just an amazing ball player. Uh, yeah, I think everybody else is probably pretty much gone um, that we that you mentioned. I want to turn a little bit to the rumor mill as we uh, this is kind of just what's going on with the Colts right now. We saw today that former offensive coordinator Nick Sirianna, Nick Sirianni, right? Yes. We're also not good with pronunciation. So, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, there you go. Um, name the Eagles head coach. So that's somebody that is going to have to be replaced. We've got um, – and I'll just – I'll read these out and you, you just tell me what jumps out to you and talk a little bit about maybe what you're hearing. But obviously, Philip Rivers retired. They're um, – the the defensive coordinator, uh, Eberflus? Eberflus? Yeah, Eberflus, correct. Yeah, he, he had an interview with for the head coaching job with the Texans. Um, yeah, we, we mentioned all the free agents and then Nick Sirianni being the, uh, new Eagles head coach. So what of that jumps out to you? And obviously that's a lot of turnover for this, this team. And what do you, what, what are you hearing and what do you think they're going to do to kind of try to rebuild and again, get a good structure for, uh, Frank Reich? Um, yeah, obviously losing Sirianni is, is troubling for Frank Reich because they've had such a great history together, um, going all the way back to San Diego and, and um, but congratulations, Sirianni. I think he's, he's one of the reasons why they went with him was because of Philadelphia. And he is a, sort of a mentor of not a mentor, but a student of Frank Wright's system, which they had so much success with when the Super Bowl, those kind of things. So um, I, I'm hoping the, the one person I don't want to leave, um, not that I wanted any of them to leave because they all did, done a great job, but Eberflus. Mm. Wow. Um, so many years, so many years of the Colts defense just being horrific, just awful. And ever since he's come in, he's just changed that system all around. We've got so many great players there. So mm-hmm. um, I was looking on the short list of coaches that they were looking and um, he was on almost every single short list. So uh, time, time is coming up. I just hope it's not this year, but if you know, and they should continue because they're such a young defense and so good that uh, probably next year he'll be gone. 
Yeah, I probably know the answer to this next question too. But uh, when you're looking at this Colts team as it starts doing, you know, everything it needs to do, what's the elephant in the room? Explain that a little bit more. Um, yeah, for me. The, the the in other words, the biggest need. What what is their um? What, what does this team need to address the most over the off season for them to uh, have a good season next season? Got to be quarterback, right? I mean, that's got to start there. Yeah, uh, I think that's priority number one. Uh, I mean, it wasn't. It was sort of put on the back burner, but obviously, with with that uh, retirement, Philip Rivers, this now becomes the situation. I, you know, we you touched on Jacob Eason. He's there, but I, he was a fourth rounder. I I don't see him coming in this year and being the guy. Uh, we also talked about Jacoby Brissett being a you know, unrestricted free agent, he's probably gone. Um, so it's going to have to be a rookie quarterback somewhere along the line, either in the first or second round. Mm-hmm. Of course, I don't know where they're picking, but it's, you know, at 20 something, 23rd, 24, something to that effect. Um, and we'll see what quarterbacks are going to be there. But for a first round quarterback, they're going to have to trade up. So, but I, I do agree. Quarterback is, they're definitely biggest need on the offense side. They do have some holes on defense, but yeah, for the offense, considering quarterbacks number one. Well, and yeah, let's talk about the draft because they are they're picking number twenty one. And you're right, that is kind of in that no man's land where it's like they um, sort of like the Saints, right? I mean, that's I, I can relate to that because we've got a, a quarterback, another former Charger who's retiring this off season. And I had I just thought, would would Philip Rivers and Drew Brees like? Let's just say they get elected to the Hall of Fame. How crazy would it be that they got that they would be inducted together? I just think that's crazy that they have that history. You know, Rivers replaced Brees. Um, for them to be inducted together, that would just be that'd be insane. That'd well, be yeah, and then also if, if I remember correctly. Well, Eli Manning has a chance, of course. I mean, Breeze, Breeze and Rivers are locked for Hall of Fame. Eli Manning, mm-hmm. you, you could go. I think you can get a take either way. But um, that that whole story is all connected, too, because if I remember correctly, Manning was traded for Rivers. Um, in draft day. In, in, during draft day. So yeah. if all three, all three are connected in some way or form, and all three could be going to the Hall of Fame all at, at the same time. You know they'll still all have that that kind of possibility. So yeah, that would, that would be a very interesting story. I think it really would. It, it it'd be really cool. Um, so yeah, that. But let's talk about the draft because I. So last year I noted that uh, there were eleven teams who took a skill position player in the first round. Like you said, like would they? Maybe they would have to trade up. Maybe they would have to start looking at some of these. You know, free agents. We'll talk about that and trade targets. Maybe here in just a minute. But just looking at the draft. I guess, what do you hope they do with that 21st pick? And, you know, kind of what do you think, you know, knowing the franchise, what are you expecting them to do? And maybe with some of their remaining picks that they have after that? I think they're going to have to get together and decide on, do we go with a free agent or, I mean, Matt Stafford has sort of been talked about, but looking just specifically at the draft right now, Quarterbacks, number one need if we're just talking offense. Um, I, I do believe they go defense here, but we're looking at offense. So I, quarterback would be the number one opportunity there. Uh, of course, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, they're way gone by then. Um, that would be, of course, the the dream. Um, right. But, you know, that that's not going to happen. And then um, Zach Wilson would be another option, but eh, I don't think that's going to happen either. 
the the two that are, are in reach, Trey Trey Lance and Mac Jones, but mm. both of those are definitely would have to be traded up for to get. Um, maybe maybe a tight end, um, but that's the first round, and I, the tight end uh, draft class isn't that deep or that that of quality, so I don't see that happening either. Um, which is why I think they go defense. But the two quarterbacks that are in reach, of course, are just not Justin Fields, um, Trey Lance and Mac Jones. Yeah, and actually, uh, so Matt Donnelly is a pretty big fan of Mac Jones. He uh, thinks he actually has a better arm talent even than Tua did. Um, doesn't move as well, obviously. But uh, yeah, that would be really interesting. You know, that's uh, obviously, I think the Saints are kind of in the same boat, maybe pick a little bit later than than the Colts do. But uh, I think there's going to be a, a interesting number of teams right there in that same area that they might be making phone calls. And uh, man, if you own a pick that's in that, you know, I don't know, not eight, nine, 10, maybe 11, 12, 13 range. That might be some pretty big moves for some of these teams if they get desperate, depending on what shapes out in free agency. And so speaking of free agency, what do you think? Like who, who of these big name um, skill position players, there's a lot of them out there, some available for trade, some that are just unrestricted free agents who aren't expected to be tagged. What do you think? Like who, who of those big name guys, and I kind of gave you a list, but uh, feel free to go off of it if you want. Do you have any any sense for, there's been a lot of connections with Carson Wentz. Uh, I don't know if that, but is there is there a sense for who the Colts could try to bring in? I think the big rumors right now are Matt Stafford, uh, but I don't see that happening. Also, Dak Prescott is a free agent, but again, Dallas would be just out of their mind if they decide that Dak Prescott isn't their guy. Uh, so, you know, I don't. The, I, I would love to have Matt Stafford. I would love to have Dak Prescott, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, so. Looking at it, um, Jameis Winston, it was interesting. Um, I don't know if you caught it during the playoff game where or heard about it where at the end of the game, Drew Brees turns to Jameis Winston and says, this is your team now. And um, if that holds fruition, then that eliminates Jameis Winston. So I'm looking more at sort of uh, wide receivers. Deshaun Watson has to be traded so he's not gonna they're not gonna trade him to their division rival yeah uh so that that sort of eliminates all free agent quarterbacks pretty much um as far as wide receiver i think it all depends on what they do with ty hilton now uh i like alan robinson i like chris Mm -hmm. godwin i like kenny galladay i like Corey davis uh all those guys that you pretty much mentioned all kind of do the same things that uh ty hilton do and go down the fields. Chris Godwin's more of a slot, but T.Y. Hilton played more in the slot this year too. So I could see Chris Godwin fitting there, um, especially when you have Michael Pittman on one end, and then hopefully Paris Campbell doesn't get hurt again. He'll have the other the other uh, side spot, which would fit Chris Godwin perfectly. Um, Corey Davis probably could play a little slot, but yeah, I, I think. I think wide receiver is probably if they do get in a big name, it would be at wide receiver. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it really just kind of depends. I mean, Frank Reich, obviously, I know Nick Sirianni was there, but I, you know, I feel like uh, Frank Reich probably is the guy controlling that offense, right? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think he trust he trusted Nick uh, Sirianni to do what he wanted implemented, and and basically it was like, okay, this is the show we're going to run, and I trust you to do this. So you go ahead and do it, and I don't have to like keep my my you know eye on you and make sure you're doing it correctly and all this other stuff because you know how to do it, and the trust is there. So, but this is Frank Wright's system. There's no doubt about it. Let's get into some specifics on these position players because, um, you know, it's it's really an interesting list of, of guys that the Colts currently have or maybe expecting to have. So we'll talk a little bit about we'll talk about T.Y. We'll talk about uh, Jacoby Brissett, even though, you know, he may or may not be with, with, with the team. But um, the, the biggest one, obviously, is Jonathan Taylor. So I'll start with him. I currently have him as my RB8. Um, he is in, you know, in that top tier. I, I think a lot of him, I think he's, um, I have him right in the range of just barely behind Saquon Barkley. Um, I have him ahead of the Ezekiel Elliott's and have him one spot ahead of even Deandre Swift, who there was a lot of great things said about him. Uh, but what uh, is that? Some people have him one. Some people have him two. My only hesitation not putting him quite that high is simply just the Frank Reich's history of spreading the ball around. And I do, there's a part of me in the back of my mind, and I know this might be sacrilege. Jonathan Taylor is amazing. I think he's awesome. But if Marlon Mack had stayed healthy, what, what do you, how much, how much of a breakout could Jonathan Taylor have had? Would he have ultimately just surpassed him anyway? Or, you know, what, what, what do you think, what do you think about where I have him and just Jonathan Taylor's uh, overall? I probably wouldn't disagree with, with eight. I mean, I would, the players you said you're behind DeAndre Swift. Mm, we'll see. Um, I think that's close. But, um, and when you say RB eight, it's not like, Oh my God, that's horrible. You know, you know, that's, that's way too low or that's way too high. Um, now, as far as the Marlon Mack situation, I think uh, the Colts realized that Jonathan Taylor was slow processing. And um, if you watch, if you go back to the first game, unfortunately, we all all we have is uh, basically a, a half with Marlon Mack. And uh, Marlon Mack was, yeah, I mean, Jonathan Taylor was nowhere on the field. Um, I think he had one snap um, up until when Marlon Mack got hurt, and then they turned to Naheem Hines for a good portion of that, and. Uh, it really got so bad that uh, Naheem Hines wasn't named the starter for the Green Bay game. Mm. And uh, he, he then Jonathan Taylor came in, relieved uh, Naheem Hines. And you could, as, as I mentioned, you could just see, like, in the coaches must have saw, like, oh, he's got this. And from there on out, became the starter. But with Marlon Mack, it's kind of hard because it's like, would they have turned to Marlon Mack um, – over Jonathan Taylor in the Green Bay game, and how far does that push him down? So, I think the the forces broke right, but I do believe that Jonathan Taylor's statistics of what they were at the end of the year would not have been what they um, were with Marlon Mack if he played the full season. Yeah, and I guess for fantasy, we probably could have gotten a little bit better discount on him. Those of us who thought, you know, obviously he's an he's an otherworldly talent, and that's I, I want to make sure I'm you know clearly communicating that he's fast he's big and like you said i think the game slowed down to him and that was obvious he he needed that green bay game uh in fact it was about that time 
that I started getting a little bit excited. I made a crazy prediction that Naheem Hines would be the highest scoring uh, running back for the Colts for 2020, which was kind of crazy at the time. Nobody was thinking about him at all. But I was I was looking back at at uh, Frank Reich and Sirianni's collection, their connection in San Diego, with and it was San Diego at the time. But they, Danny Woodhead was the RB three when those two and Philip Rivers were together. So I thought, hey, here we go. World's colliding. I'm hearing a lot of great talk about Naheem Hines, and he wound up having a, a great season. Um, he finishes the well, RB. You could go all the way back to Darren Sproles and yeah. Rivers. I mean, for for San Diego and Philip Rivers, that whole system was built around Philip Rivers dumping the ball off to the smallest running back, the third down running back. So I I, I don't blame you at all for thinking that 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 you know you get Philip Rivers, you get Frank Wright, and that's the system that they've done. Why would it change? And it, it did a little bit, but they still love dumping off. And that's one that's one part of the game that uh, I think John T- Jonathan Taylor really needs to prove on is is his reception he's a good receiver i mean average plus but he needs to get a lot better um you saw a lot of the drops that he had in in the Mm -hmm. buffalo he's not that bad but i I think the pressure got to him but i he he does need to improve a little bit reminds me of chubb kind of the way we were talking about him after that first year maybe um you know it, it seemed like he shows the ability to do it but then maybe has some concentration drops from time to time or something like that it's kind of the way it uh, always seemed to me. I do have Naheem Hines still as my RB29. I mean, he's only 24 years old. He's still pretty young. He's still shifty. They, he seems to have a role. The coaching staff seems to love him. Do you think that's too high? Do you think that's about right? Is it, Am I too low? Um, 29, that would put him at a good RB3. I, would, I think that's a little too high. Um, I don't see him being much of a third down back with, with the Colts, and that's just going to be limited. Um, so I would I would like to have him as an RB four. I think RB four price a good RB four would be probably ideal. Gotcha. I don't really have any of the other um, guys there ranked. And in fact, if I look at quarterback, I, I don't really have a lot of faith in any of those guys. I mean, I've got you know Brissett down at forty in case he gets the job, and Easton at forty three in case he gets the job. That you know that's all. This is going to change over time, but um, you know. I mean, I, Let's just say they 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 say okay, Brissett, you're our guy. You're going to do this. We're going to sign you to a two year deal. Blah blah blah. And your guy for for two years. Brissett, I, I he fell on his face um, in 2019, but we have to remember that the wide receivers for the Colts at the second half of the season were street free agents. I mean, mm-hmm. they were ravished with injuries at the wide receiver position um, in 2019. Prior to that, Brissett was a QB 15. Mm. So I, he definitely has a capability if those wide receivers are healthy to be a QB 15, 17 kind of guy, you know? Um, and someone you can get, like you mentioned, QB, whatever, um, and right. be happy with it. But because um, you can get him on the cheap. But if he is a Colts quarterback, I, I have every faith that he could finish no, no, uh, no deeper than, say, a QB 20. I think I think eighteen right. twenty is probably ideal for him. Yeah, and that's right about where Rivers finished. And I, I do, I, I agree with you. I think he could finish like a, in a pretty similar area, especially if they upgraded the wide receiver spot. I mean, that was an area where you just there wasn't a lot of production this year. And if you can get a healthy Michael Pittman, if you can get Paris Campbell back, and him being. 
being healthy and bring T.Y. Hilton or some other you know, guy there, maybe add, pick up a guy in the draft. There's a, there is a lot of good things that could be waiting for someone who takes the keys to the offense, whoever that might be. Um, and you know, that's for those wide receivers. I've got, um, so I've got Michael Pittman as my current dynasty PPR wide receiver 32. Um, that's a, I got him as a low end wide receiver three. I know a lot that some people might have a problem with that. Wide receiver is so hard this year. There are so many good wide receivers that when I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, out of the guys that I have there, maybe I could put him ahead. I, I've, I've got currently got him behind Robbie Anderson. And that's a guy that I could say like, okay, there's an age difference there. Maybe I could put him ahead of Robbie Anderson, but I don't know who his quarterback's going to be. So it just is hard for me to figure out like, should I have trust in him or not? What do you think? Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's a tough one. Um, as you mentioned, because there are so many wide receivers to choose from. I think Michael Pittman is the wide receiver too on the Colts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so uh, if T Y Hilton goes, it's going to be probably a tie between uh, Paris Campbell. If he stays healthy and Michael Pittman, Pittman, but as, as, as it goes right now, Michael Pittman is the number two wide receiver on that team. So, yeah, 32, 33, sure. Um, you know, and then, of course, the later you can get him, the better. But as far as pure talent itself, Michael Pittman is – he's amazing. I, I, right. I'm so excited to watch him play and him go forward. So, of course, the later you can get him, I think the better off you're going to be. You know what? I got even more excited about him this offseason. I've watched some Amonor St. Brown, and uh, there's, you know, there's not as much – film to go off of this year i watched a little bit of last year too and michael pittman jumps off the screen he he really was fantastic for usc tall fast uh quick uh, changes gears he's just he's just absolutely amazing um wide receiver and i'm just yeah as i mentioned i'm excited it makes me so excited to watch the colts i don't have any other wide receivers in the top 50 mainly because i don't know where t.y hilton's not signed i don't know who the who his quarterback's gonna be i don't know you know, but if he does resign with the, with, with the team, I mean, would you expect to bump him up into what the wide receiver three territory? I mean, he is thirty one years old. Uh, based on based off last year, as far as how he finished, yes, I mean, I think the whoever, it, yeah, I you, I, I think I'm sort of stuttering here because I'm yeah, it's hard, it's a hard one. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think the first thing you need to do with, with him is to see who his quarterback's going to be in this go from there. I think that's probably the easiest thing. Um, the Colts are definitely a short to intermediate range offense, and T.Y. Hilton runs a lot of deep routes. Mm-hmm. So that's going to affect him, obviously. So, so if they get some, you know, I don't know, not, not someone as bad as Josh Rosen, but someone who's, who's just a short intermediate accuracy type game manager quarterback, then that's going to really affect T.Y. Hilton. But if they get someone like Matt Stafford who can throw the ball deep, then you're you're going to be all over T.Y. Hilton. So as long as it's not Carson Wentz is what you're saying. He yeah, as long fine. as it's not Carson Wentz, then, <laughs> then you're good with T.Y. Hilton. Outside of that, yeah, you're in trouble. I, I kind of wonder about that. What do you think about that move? I mean, you haven't you haven't gone to that, so I, I, I assume you're not a fan of them bringing in Wentz with his history with Reich. I mean, I love it. I love the idea. I'm, I'm actually a huge fan of it. I just read that it's not going to happen. Uh, mm. So I sort of just sort of, you know, out of my mind just because it's just like, 
I, 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 it's, it's a very unlikely situation, but for someone who, as you mentioned, has a history, I, is mobile, I think, you know, was going to play behind a great offensive line. So he's not going to have to worry about, uh, you know, the, them just, you know, attacking him at every instance. So when he can just take his time and deliver the ball, I think this, it, it would be a miracle for Carson Wentz to be, um, miracle for him to be hmm. with Colts. No, no tight ends really to talk about here, but let's just say we end up with a situation where Mo Alley Cox is the starter for the Colts in 2021. How, how high would you be ranking him? I like what he did early in the season um, when Trey Burton was out with injury and Jack Doyle. Uh, he wasn't really not being effective at all or, or targeted. And Mo Alley Cox came on uh, big time, uh, a former basketball player. Someone knows how he can box out, someone who can uh, get up and get the ball. Uh, very good in red zone um, area. So if it's just his bat, if it's just him alone, I, I you know, second tight end, you know, 15, 18, something to that effect. So when he's yeah. going to score five, six touchdowns for you, catch 40, 45 passes. Yeah, I love it, man. And look, you are, as always, sharp. You know your stuff. I appreciate all the breakdowns. That's going to uh, do it for us here on the Colts. But I want to give you one last opportunity. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you and what you're working on and maybe a little bit about what your plan is to work on things. So um, everybody can find me at RFL Red Zone on Twitter. Uh, and uh, right now I'm just sort of finishing off the season with Roto Underworld as far as formation scouting and um, basically, you know, just charting players and where they line up and that kind of thing. Over the summer, I'll be doing um, a lot of football kits, draft kits, fantasy doctors, diehards, uh those kind of things. Hopefully, you know, I can get into a fantasy index. I'm in talks with them. So that that's like a dream of mine, sort of to do a draft kit with the fantasy index. So hopefully that'll pan out. But um, outside of that, yeah, it's just, um, thank you, Cal. I really appreciate it. I love working with you. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. great talking with you again. No, it's amazing, man. I really appreciate all the um, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. I hope to get you back on here uh, at some point to talk about something, but certainly maybe to talk about the Colts before the season starts once we know the answers to some of these questions and what they're going to do in the offseason as we get going in. Um, hopefully, we'll have a preseason. We'll have a lot of things that we can look forward to for them. But um, for uh, the Dynasty Vipers, uh, make sure you're following them at Dynasty Vipers. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, like like the video. Give me some comments. If you like what we're, what we're saying or you disagree with me or Mike, go ahead and uh, let us know. Put it down in the comments. We'll get back to you. If you have any other questions, you can hit up Mike. You can hit up me at Calvin and Hobby for the Dynasty Vipers, for Matt, uh, for Mike. I am uh, I'm just excited about this series and excited to keep it moving. We're going to have the Bears here in just a few minutes. Tune in. And uh, yeah, we gone. Take care, everybody.